1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, Great show today. I was joined by Kim Klasik. Um, Kim is running for Congress in Maryland's 7th Congressional District, uh, which is in the Baltimore area. Uh, You may have caught her speech at the Republican National Convention on Monday. Uh, And we had a great chat. I I, I really like Kim, and uh, she has my full endorsement. I think uh, everybody should, should check out her site and get involved and, and support her. Uh, before I get to Kim, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. Uh, all right, without further ado, here is my chat with the great Kim Klasik. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with the Republican nominee for the House of Representatives in, in Maryland's 7th Congressional District, the great Kim Klasik. Kim, thanks so much for taking the time this morning.
0: Uh, Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. So a lot of people listening at home caught your speech on Monday at the RNC. You knocked it out of the park, by the way. It was it was terrific. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of people have seen your, your campaign ad that you guys released a couple weeks ago that went absolutely viral. I think you're up to something like 12 million views, <laughs> something crazy like that. Um, one of the most effective ads I've ever seen, quite frankly. Um, but for those at home who might not be familiar with you, um, give us just a brief summary. What's your story, uh, and what led you to take on the arduous task of attempting to turn a deep blue congressional seat red?
0: Yeah, well, thank you again for the opportunity to, to speak to your audience. Um, so I first started out with a nonprofit in Baltimore City doing workforce development, um, and that is just helping underserved women uh, get back to work and so that started about eight years ago. And while doing that uh, work, I, I realized there was a lot of red tape and a lot of obstacles uh, for women to even find work in uh, the sorry, find work in the Baltimore area. And so what I decided to do was actually investigate that. You know, why is there a lack of career opportunities? Why is there uh, you know, very little, uh, resources even, you know, job training or helping people with filling out applications. Um, you know, the school system within the area, uh, was very poor, still is poor today. Uh, you've got kids that graduate from high school that can't read, write, or do basic math. And I just thought, you know, what is going on here? You know, I grew up in Accokeek, Maryland, and I just couldn't believe that it was actually America that I was in, right. you know, while serving these women. And so, you know, that went on for a while, um, I then began uh, speaking as a, an analyst on What America News, sometimes Fox News, uh, local Fox 5, other stations. And what I did was just uh, basically lay out to people what I had been finding um, while going through the area of Baltimore um, and then why I felt it was so different. Um, but in doing so, uh, one, uh, I guess you could say, sunny morning in July of 2019, Uh, I went into another area of West Baltimore. I met uh, two gentlemen that was sitting on a a front porch step, and I asked them if they caught their then-Congressman Elijah Cummings on a Sunday morning talk show just discussing about uh, how much his constituents are afraid of President Trump. And they kind of laughed at me. And I said, well, wait a minute. Let me get this on camera. I've got to get your reaction on camera. And the gentleman said, you know, I can show you something that I am really upset with. And he took me down the street to where he and his wife lived, and on the side of the back alley, there was just an immense amount of trash, furniture, you could see discarded needles from those struggling with addiction. And he said, you know, this has been sitting here for six months, and for six months, I've been calling on the city to come and pick it up. Now, this is the house that was, like, you know, right next to his, and and it was a vacant home. Um, And so people have to understand, in Baltimore City, you've got 30,000 vacant homes, 17,000 of them are right in West Baltimore. And this is a city where the population is at 600,000. So, you know, there's a lot of vacants compared to occupied homes in West Baltimore, Uh, but they are occupied. And so, you know, I started posting the videos. Uh, I posted them for about a week, copying Congressman Cummings, uh, the mayor, the council president, and no one responded. And one morning Fox News called and said, what is going on on your Twitter feed? And I explained it and they said, Will you come in and explain it on on live TV. I said, of course. And it just happened uh, that President Trump was watching Fox and Friends that morning and he retweeted them. He started talking about, you know, how the federal government had sent billions of dollars to that very specific area in Baltimore. And it was hard to understand where that money had gone. And so a lot of people in the city took it as an attack on Congressman Cummings in the city of Baltimore. But it was really just truth and fact of the matter. Um, And so after uh, which, uh, unfortunately, Elijah Cummings did pass away um, and that left his seat open. Um, And so I thought, you know what, if I'm going to talk the talk, I need to walk the walk. And I decided to throw my hat in the ring, thinking, you know, uh, maybe I can do something to help. Um, And so fast forward, we launched on November 9th of 2019. We went through the special election. I did lose in the special election to my opponent. um, That is the same opponent I have here in the general. uh, But we kept on trucking. Uh, We were very happy with the results of that special election. We had a nine point swing. Forty two percent of our votes came from both Democrats and independents. And, you know, with, um, you know, the fact that we had the lockdown and we couldn't go face to face or door to door, the fact that we did that, we thought, you know what, we might look even better in the general. So we kept trucking. Um, And now, you know, fast forward to maybe what, Monday? Was it Monday of last week? we dropped our campaign ad just basically showing everybody uh, what we showed them last summer, you know, through the videos. Um, and so I, I talked about how, you know, Democrat leadership has been in charge for over 50 years. I talk about the poverty rate being at 20 percent. You know, I talk about, you know, Baltimore being um, t- having 10 times the murder rate uh, for the national average. And so, you know, a lot of the what was in the video was just accurate truth. And so, you know, I think Democrats were then probably upset that they had no response to it. And the Republicans were happy um, that I was pointing it out and actually running as a Republican in an inner city. Uh, Because, as we know, the GOP oftentimes does not show up in the inner city to try to persuade voters because, you know, we we assume that they're going to vote down ballot for a Democrat. And so now I think the 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 tables have turned here. And I think uh, Republicans are now saying, you know what, maybe we do have a shot in these inner cities And Democrats are now saying, you know what, maybe I got to do something to earn these votes. So I was uh, lucky enough to speak at the RNC convention on opening night. Uh, I reiterated exactly what I've just said and and what I've been saying for over a year now. Um, And and so far we've raised, I think we're a little bit over $3 million uh, just from support from all over the country of of small donors. So uh, we've been very fortunate in this race.
1: Absolutely, that that's outstanding, and and your campaign, and and this has actually been a theme thus far at the Republican National Convention. Um, you know, your messaging is it's just a message of hope and and rebuilding and perseverance, a, a message that, you know, our best days are ahead of us, uh, even mm-hmm. in even in inner cities in these major cities. Uh, and the Democrats, <laughs> if you look at their messaging, if you if you listen to the speeches last week at the DNC. You know, it's all doom and gloom. It's 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 you're a racist, America's racist, everybody's gonna die from COVID. It's like, man, what a stark contrast between the two parties right now.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think, you know, when you saw the DNC and I, I noticed I didn't look at everyone's speeches, but I did see Michelle Obama's speech. Um, and she was talking about how she was still a victim as a black woman in America. But she was saying this from her mansion in Martha's Vineyard. And it just didn't add up at all. And I'm like, this is, again, I I say, you know, they they ratchet up this racist rhetoric. And they do it, you know, immensely around every election cycle, right? And so here we are approaching November 3rd, and it's only going to get worse from here. You know, according to them, you know, white people are evil. They're always trying to keep people down. And I tell people all the time, If that's the case, then you still have to explain to me what's going on in Baltimore City. Um, Because there's been nothing but black leadership uh, in the mayor's office, city council, you know, for 20 years now. So who's racist here? You know, I think sometimes people confuse racism and classism. And, you know, that's what we got to make sure people understand. You know, there's a lot of elite black people in Baltimore City that uses the urban struggle of those that are poor to, uh, you know, for leverage to get federal funding, and then it goes missing, you right. know, enriching those that are elite. And that's what's happening. It's corruption. Um, and so hopefully, you know, I'll get that message out during my campaign as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You guys have experienced a ton of corruption in, in Baltimore. Several, you know, mayors have have gone down in corruption scandals and, and so forth. But um, you know, it, it's it's fascinating. The, the racism that black conservatives have to deal with is insane these days. I mean I I'm sure you don't read the Twitter comments. At least I I hope you don't. Kim please don't <laughs> read, <laughs> read the Twitter comments. But you know any time a black person breaks rank, you know, refuses to use the the scripted leftist talking points that you're all supposed to repeat apparently. The left yeah. goes full-on white supremacist. <laughs> yeah. After your speech at the RNC, after, after Herschel Walker spoke, after Senator Scott spoke yesterday, uh, Daniel Cameron, the AG of Kentucky, after, after he speaks, I- I'll check Twitter. I'll check what's trending. And like clockwork, every single time Uncle Tom is trending on Twitter. Uncle Tom. I mean,
0: yeah. for, for
1: a group of people who pride themselves in being quote-unquote anti-racist, Boy, oh, boy, there there sure seems to be a lot of racists in that group, Kim.
0: Yeah, seriously. (laughs) You know, I I tell people all the time, you cannot, you know, push this racism narrative uh, for the Republican Party, you know, especially right now. You know, President Trump is in office and there's lots of people that want to work with the Trump administration. And you can see that by seeing that we have the most black Republicans in the entire history of this country running for political office right now. We have 21 uh, black uh, Republicans running for Congress right now. So these are 21 individuals that are hopeful of working with the Trump administration. And I tell people all the time, you know, I've been going back and forth to the White House to meet with one of his advisors on what we can do about the opportunity zones, how we can get that billion dollar medical equipment industry right back to Baltimore, right through the port. And they've been very helpful. And so, you know, we're actually trying to put things in place where even if I don't win, it still happens, you know? And so this is, that's what kind of administration we have here. Um, It is not a racist (laughs) administration. Uh, The Republican party isn't racist. I honestly think the Republicans just didn't do any due diligence in reaching out to the black community thinking that we won't listen, you know what I mean? Um, So there's a failure in communication and a failure in in leadership, I would think, but I don't think, I'm still not seeing racism.
1: Right, right. Um, You know, you've had a little bit of criticism from the right as well. And I want to address that real quick. And so bear with me. I'm changing gears here for just a second. Uh, But this is something that's been bothering me for a long time. Um, It reminds me a little bit of the big tech debate. You know, a a lot of Republicans, uh, you know, when talking about censorship on Twitter and Facebook and and so forth, a lot of Republicans say, well, you know, don't complain about being banned from Twitter. They're a private company. They can do whatever they want. Go build your own Twitter. Right. And I, I I, you know, agree with that. I don't want to regulate big tech. I and mean, that's a side note. But, you know, and then people build their own Twitter. Right. And they call it Parlor, Right. The the free speech really. oriented platform. And then those same people saying, don't complain, go build your own Twitter are like, oh, that's a dumb idea. That'll never work. Yeah. <laughs> so those yeah. same those same types of Republicans have criticized your campaign. They'll complain. They'll say, why can't we get good candidates, good men and women to run in these these Democrat controlled cities? Why can't we get you know people that actually are passionate why can't we flip these seats and then you you do that you throw your hat in the ring and it's like oh it's just a waste of time and money she can't win you know it, i'm reminded of the teddy roosevelt quote right it's the paraphrasing obviously but it's not the critic that counts it's the man in the arena well you're the one in the arena you're the one with the courage right. to get in there and actually try to to change the game to try to make a difference and you you've been mocked for it for some people on the right you know i feel like a lot of people on the right uh, they, they like complaining. They like they, they like identifying problems, but they don't actually do anything to try to fix it.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And 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 that's what's so tough, I think, right now uh, in my personal race. Uh, I, I defeated seven Republicans in our primary, and two of those people are, were on the Baltimore County Republican Central Committee with me. So it wasn't like they didn't know me. You know what I mean? Right. It wasn't like they didn't know what I stand for and that they disagree. It is— purely just you know guys i i can get money from around and to do that you've got to run for congress right my biggest platform piece is i want to know where the federal funds went that didn't make it to west baltimore after the riots in 2015 i want to push school choice you know so there's things here that i i need to do on the federal level Um, And and I'll explain these things and they're still like, well, you should you still should have waited your turn kind of deal. Um, And then, like you said, some people will say, you know, it's it's not worth it. I had the the chairman uh, tell me Jesus Christ couldn't win this seat and he didn't want to, you know, knock on the the donor's door and exhaust him in any way um, because he wanted to save the funds in the donors list for races he thought he could win. Um, So, you know, we haven't been getting that much support. Uh, from the Republican Party in Maryland. Um, We're not shocked by that. But, you know, hopefully now the RNC sees how much the Trump campaign does believe in our race. Uh, From my understanding, it was uh, President Trump himself that made the call for me to speak at the RNC um, and not, you know, the GOP chairwoman's call. So, you know, it just tells you that it's very cliquish, I think, at times. It's very, just like on the left, there's that establishment and then there's people like myself that's trying to break through. And, it, you know, you, you just got all kind of issues.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'd much rather be on the side of of the one in the arena actually taking risks, actually putting themselves <laughs> out there than the critics. So, you know, God bless you. Um, real quick, before, before we wrap it up, I know we have a hard out here. Um, but for the folks that might not be familiar with your platform. Obviously, if you're elected to Congress, you're going to be writing the laws that all Americans have to obey. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a few rapid-fire questions on a few of the uh, the issues that are important to the audience. Um, first up, taxation. Would you ever vote, as a congressman, would you ever vote to raise taxes?
0: Oh, gosh, no. No. <laughs> you know what's so crazy about it? I was so pissed off. Do you remember that closed-door meeting um, Speaker Pelosi and, and uh, Paul Ryan had? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. And they were supposed to be working on the budget. It it was almost as like if he gave the pen and, and the entire sheet to Pelosi and he probably just sat there watching. I could not believe as a Republican they decided to even just be so fiscally irresponsible. Shameful. And so, no, I do not. Yeah, it was. It was. And I, I was honestly really pissed, but I am not for raising taxes. I think as soon as we get the careers like I said, bringing that medical equipment industry back to the U.S. You know, Baltimore used to be a manufacturing powerhouse. Yep. We can do that all over again. You know, we can bring back, you know, we went from a population of over a million in just a city alone uh, to 600,000, right? And, and so a lot of those vacant houses are because people were fleeing the city. There was nowhere to work. So I think we can do that. I know right now there's a lot of people paying even more in property tax than they did when the city was a whole lot better. Um, So there's things that we can do to change this, but people have got to want to work. You know, it can't be always, you know, about politics. There's so many people that are, I call myself, unbought and unbossed because there are special interest groups that are in the pockets of people on both sides of the aisle. And we can't have that happen because it's never good for the people. Um, So so that's my push. There's no way in the world would I ever vote to raise taxes.
1: All right. All right. I, I hear you. That, that,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> I'm
1: listening. Uh, First yeah. Amendment. Your thoughts on protecting freedom of speech?
0: Freedom of speech? Yeah. So, just so you know, I am for the Constitution. So, anything there? First Amendment, yes. Second Amendment, yes. I mean, you can go down the list. You know, obviously our founding fathers wrote this uh, because it was a concern, and you know, from what I can tell, they did a great job. And I, I want to withhold, and, 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 and I, I want to make sure that we continue. Uh, down that line that they've set for us.
1: Absolutely. So freedom of speech, don't infringe on our our right to defend ourselves. I like it. Um, Abortion.
0: Abortion. So I'm for family planning. And so I am for, I know a lot of people don't love it, but it's over-the-counter birth control. So this is something that you take all month long. It is before conception, and 35 other countries already do it. Uh, We can do it here if the FDA stops regulating it. Um, And it's, you know, a very simple fix, I think, to the abortion numbers that we currently see in the U.S. And, you know, that is what Planned Parenthood is using to stay open and stay afloat. Uh, You know, a lot of people go to Planned Parenthood to purchase their birth control pills because they're, you know, not over the counter. And they use that data and supply that data to gain uh, the federal funding. But if we take that completely out and they could not no longer do it, I don't think they could keep their doors open. I think that is a way to defund Planned Parenthood in a roundabout way. Um, but I'm for family planning. I am against abortion, and I would not vote for it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic. How about the the wars in the Middle East, specifically Afghanistan, the, America's longest war?
0: Yeah, so from what I can tell, um, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, when you have war, you've got—who does it really affect? It affects the civilians, Right. Um, We uh, obviously need a strong military. You know, I don't deny that. Um, But do we need to be at war? I don't see where we need that either.
1: Well, I agree with you. And and thank you so much, Kim. Uh, Let's do this again soon. Hopefully uh, you have my full endorsement. I encourage everybody listening to get involved. Obviously, you need people to volunteer. You need people to knock doors. You need people to donate. Uh, Where can the folks at home find out more and get involved with the campaign?
0: Thank you so much. It's KimKforCongress.com. And if you just type Kimberly Clasick, you'll hopefully see my Facebook and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, Kim K for Congress.com.
1: Everybody check out the site. Everybody follow Kim on Twitter. She's great. Um, God bless you, Kim. Let's win this thing in November. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. Right. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.) <laughs>